0: Go Loud presents the Lennon Courtney podcast. Go out, go out, go out, go out. Welcome to the Lennon Courtney archive podcast collection. Enjoy this blast from the past.
1: Joanna Reardon, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, you know, if you want something done, ask ask a busy woman. So we got one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm trying to think when I first heard you speaking and I can't remember what illustrious corporate institution was paying for you to open your mouth but I do remember you and I do remember being so unbelievably moved by what you were saying just in in every direction you're you're just an extraordinary speaker an extraordinary advocate and there's there's so much we want to talk to you about so um, as the listeners to this podcast know myself and Brandon are doing a master's in equity diversity and inclusion. And and really this podcast is about Having conversations with people who have um, a different perspective um, and and showing all the different sides of the coin that is um, the world in which we live. Um, and you might just to kick us off for those that don't know you, tell us a little bit about your background.
2: Um, yeah, thanks, a Million, obviously, um, for having me. I'm delighted. I think I have a couple of your clothes and like items in my wardrobe. Um, so, I mean, I'm buzzed to say the least that <laughs> I finally get to meet people who design my clothes because um, it's usually my. <laughs> My aunt. No, um, so my name, <laughs> my name is obviously um, Joanna Reardon. Um, I was born with a rare condition known as total Amelia, meaning I was born without all of my limbs. Um, so I suppose there's no medical reason as to why I was born this way. But I suppose I never let it hold me back. Um, in 2011, I confronted Linda Kenny on a cut he was going to make on the disability allowance because I had met him the previous, um, the start of 2011 when he was doing his campaigning and he said if he was elected to power, he would do everything um, to protect people with disabilities. That obviously didn't happen. Then I wrote a letter to the Irish Examiner saying how the cut was going to affect not just me, but everyone um, like me in similar positions. Um, And then I suppose it just kind of spiraled from there. Um, Hang on, hang
1: on, hang on. 2011, at the risk of of blowing your age, today how old were you then you're fine
2: I was I was 15 um wow yeah I was 15 I was doing my um my junior cert mock I was doing my French junior cert mock at that time um and then when I wrote the letter I was doing my BT young scientist project um on basically if you have a disability does it affect your exam performance I just thought it was kind of interesting and this was like something as far as like breaking an arm before like the week before your exam and needing a scribe you know like and stuff like that just to see like the differences um so yeah basically after that, I went on to the Lele show. And then after that, um, at the age of 16, I went over to the United Nations in New York, where I delivered a speech to the world's leading women in technology on how technology has transformed my life, how it's helped people, other people with disabilities um, and just different things like that. So that's just a little bit about myself um, at the moment.
1: Just a little throwaway I, but... bit of background there, Joanne. Yes.
2: <laughs> just a little thing. Um, at the moment, I'm a sports uh, columnist with the Irish Times, um, and a podcast host with sport.ie because I suppose sport is my main passion, anyways, in life. Um, and um, yeah, no, that's basically it.
1: <laughs> Can I just go back to the moment where you found your voice? Because I think that's what this all comes from. It's, it's, it's. What was the driver there, and what what gave you, I suppose, the fuel to 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 stand up and be counted?
2: I don't really know like I suppose I've been like surrounded by it all my life you know like my parents you know advocating for you know ramps in the footpath or like ramps going into the local library or you know um you know like fixing the local school so that I can have easy access to it so I suppose I've kind of been around it anyway so like you know I suppose it just kind of rubs off on you um after a while but like I've I have four other siblings like they're all older than me and myself and my brother Stephen who made who made the documentary about my life um we're the only two that are kind of like very outward and kind of outspoken um, and all that kind of stuff. So Clary didn't rub off on everyone else. Um, (laughs) But no, I think like, you know, I suppose I saw something that was wrong Um, you know I had already met someone in the Irish Examiner for like a different event um, and I'd said to him how I wanted to be a journalist when I was older and he basically rang and was like you know if you want to be a journalist this is a really good time to like announce yourself and you know do different things Mm -hmm. like that so I suppose in general like is even though I saw it as maybe like a potential career opportunity to see if I liked it I didn't really expect the reaction it got I didn't expect it to be on the front page of the Irish Examiner um, at that time Um, and I suppose I didn't really expect people to have such a like a strong like a opinion and like strong support you know I just did it I went back into school continued on my BT Young Science project I think we went to the National Art Gallery like the following day and then uh, my mom rang and was like oh I think you've been invited on to Lele Le and I was like all right cool and I was like oh my god we have to go to like New Look and like <laughs> and get um, so yeah no it was just I suppose it was just like a whirlwind but like it all just kind of happened really quickly um, but I suppose finding my voice I suppose I've always kind of had it and I think now definitely as I got older and I think after I graduated college I suppose now I've realized that having a platform is important um, and it's useful and you can like change things if you want whereas when I was 16 17 18 I suppose I wasn't really like not that content but I suppose I wasn't that happy with it because I was like I just want to do normal 16 to 18 year old things you know like I want to go with my friends have my leaving of results party and not have people coming up to me and being like oh my god you're so inspirational you're so great you know I just wanted to be like a normal like just a normal person you know so um and I suppose then when I was like being carted off to kind of different events and you know missing like like my friend's 18s you know or, or like different things because as you probably both know when you're like 18 like those are like the main like you know they're they're the center of your world like those parties those school discos and the fact that i was missing them i suppose i wasn't that content with and at the same time i think for a 16 to 18 year old even 16 to 21 when i graduated i think it was looking back now it is incredible pressure to put a 16-year-old yeah. is the voice for people with like people with disabilities, which is 250,000 of the population, I think, if not more. Um, so that's incredibly stressful, you know, I think, to do. Um, and I think I wasn't, like, I still don't know everything, you know, like, and I openly admit that. Like, I can tell you what it's like to have no limbs. I'll absolutely tell you that. But, like, when people are asking me you know about policies for all people with disabilities I'm like you know there's so many there's such a broad variety like how where would you even begin like as one person you know
0: yeah you just touched on something there it must have been incredible pressure looking back now you just went you go through it because you're young and your mind is open but looking back you were elevated to this position uh, unwittingly did you ever feel enormous pressure or did you just get on with it
2: I think like when you're like 16 to 18 I think there's like an element of fearlessness in you you know that like you actually don't really care you know and that's not like a bad thing you know um and i think that was a good thing to have at that time and i even noticed it, like you know obviously covering sports when they bring on like a 17 year old he just goes on and play you know or like she'll just go on and play and i think that's kind of what i was like as well i just went out and i did it i suppose i didn't really understand like the magnitude of it you know fortunately it was only kind of you know i decided to do a year abroad um over in england i can't really call it abroad because it's like england you know but i decided it's
0: it's very much abroad now yes it is
2: is. it's like a whole other Universe. Now, I actually moved like slap bang in the centre of Brexit, so I moved over to York. And we'd just like to say a
1: big hello to all our UK listeners.
2: Uh, What time is there? Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: (laughs) But yeah, no, I think when I moved over there, um, and I kind of started afresh. You know, like I didn't really know. I remember like I rocked up to my new apartment, and I had six other housemates um, living with me. Peak college life. And I remember I was like, oh my god, like am I Joanne with no limbs? Am I Joanne who like does cool things like? which Joanne am I, like, you know, this time? You know, like, it was a little bit weird. And I remember I lived with two Chinese girls and um, three English girls in my PA. And I remember I was talking to two Chinese girls and they were like, oh, you know they call you the mysterious international student. And I was like what I was like I was like if anything you're the mysterious ones they were like no they were like they said it's you they were like so you just keep to yourself all the time I was like all oh, right, that's weird and then it was only when I I went to I went to Russia funnily enough that year with No Limbs No Limits and they saw like pictures of me like at things on like on my Snapchat and they were like who is this person? Like, who is she? (laughs) Yeah, so I suppose really it was only when I went to York to go back to it. It was only then when I kind of realised how much I'd actually been doing. You know, it was only when I'd taken the year out of not doing, of doing nothing, bar my degree. That's when I basically realised how busy it was, how much... I suppose like pressure is kind of the wrong word but I suppose how much is kind of on your shoulders to represent all these people and not have a vague idea as to how society worked you know like as a 16 you're a bit of an ideologist you know you think like everything should be like free no taxes I should live in a house for free like all that kind of stuff whereas I think the older you get the more you're just like okay like this is how it works this is how I you know approach certain situations and to be honest like if it wasn't for that year abroad I definitely wouldn't have like grown into you know the person I suppose that I, I
1: am and hopefully the actor and writer I am today and No Limbs No Limits was you know it was groundbreaking it was huge like what has the impact of that been I suppose yeah, you have this amazing marker of your life to that point but that has travelled all over the world
2: yeah it's mental I actually thought when you were saying groundbreaking I thought you were saying it's grand I was like I know it's grand (laughs) I'll raise the five out of ten like it's fine yeah like we didn't expect it to go as far as it did like I was in South Africa for another event um, that they'd seen they'd seen me on obviously with the documentary um, and a woman came up to me shopping centre and she was like oh i seen the documentary and I was like oh right like, that's weird uh, you know people in Spain you know had seen it it was on like RTV I think over there you know so yeah it did like go places which is mind-blowing and then as I said we went to Russia with it um, which I didn't expect uh, it was a film festival for I suppose films for like people with disabilities and that was incredible you know because you don't really get those experiences you know like all the time I remember I was in Latvia for another time and it was like really cool because the cinema was like it's like you know the Stella you know that Stella mm-hmm. Cinema. it was like that but like imagine it being like the 1920s you know like it Go was around. like cool you know and that was a really cool event and that was something like I'll never forget for sure but yeah it went everywhere hopefully it made an impact hopefully it got people kind of discussing and I've had a couple of fun
1: trips out of it so I'm fine. I, I'm wondering in in the time that you have uh, you know been an advocate which you are have you seen a shift societally in how we can I uh, said so, process difference and deal with difference on a human level because i suppose that myself and are in this kind of world where we're so aware of of opening up that and and seeing seeing more and different perspectives and people is wider society coming with us i'd say like
2: since the pandemic like I've definitely noticed an increase in people asking me to come in and talk about how to make their company more diverse and inclusive. And I think that's mainly because people now know what it's like to be cooped up in their home, like not against their will, that sounds dramatic, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, something they don't want to be doing, Um, you know, working from home, not socializing with people. And I've definitely noticed people that way are a little bit more aware and like they want to kind of be different. I suppose whether that's just like the fad until like we get back, I suppose I, I can't answer that, you know, for the time being. But I definitely think people are, and I think the situation that we 're in now is that we 've kind of acknowledged you know people with disabilities or other differences um, exist, um, and I think the problem is now we're just not really sure how to make that difference um, and that diversity work. Um, and I think, you know, we we do our best in terms of like kinda what we, you know, like a company got out to me and they were like, hey, like, we're just wondering, can you do like a Zoom, you know, and you know, talk to us about diversity and inclusion. I was like, grand. Um, and the first thing they were like, oh yes yeah, so there's like three steps like into our like door. You know, and I was kind of like, that's so funny. Cause like, if this wasn't like COVID and this, everything wasn't on Zoom, like I wouldn't be able to get into your talk to give you a talk on diversity and inclusion. You you know, and that's like no offense to them, you know, like, I mean, they, they're like learning as they're going um, you know and they were a little bit unsure you know and I think really it's just about as you kind of were saying opening up that conversation you know bringing on people who are different who've had these experiences and not trying to like put our perspective into their perspective you know not to be like okay that's great she's got no limbs I think this is what we should do and then I'm like oh my god like why did you do that like I hate that with every fibre of my being you know like that's not necessarily like a bad thing and I suppose I was kind of thinking you know like obviously you're in the fashion Industry and designers, and really successful at what you do. And I was even kind of thinking about from a pure fashion point of view, even from my end. And even I was kind of saying, like, this week, I think, um, like Skims released their um Olympic pajamas, which is like lovely. But the first picture Kim had was um, a person missing a leg, you know, she was a Paralympian. And I was like, Jesus, like, that's the first time ever I've seen someone missing a leg, like, front a campaign, you know, for something as supposedly you know, sexy and beauty standard changing as Skims. And then I was kind of like thinking back. to like all my like you know experiences that I would have had with clothes and I suppose it's like really funny because like I buy I buy a pair of pants you know tomorrow I love the pants like they're savage you know I've paid 50 euro for them and then the day after I'm ringing my aunt and I'm like hey can you chop off like half this pants you know because they're obviously like way too long and then in my head I'm like wait why aren't clothes like tailored to me you know like why am I having to go out and like cut the clothes this is why I love summer because it's like shorts and like t-shirts and it's like perfect for me winter clothes is like not my style at all And as I always say to people, even from a pure business point of view, if you really want to be cynical and you really, really don't want to be diverse and inclusive, it's a quarter of the population. You're turning down a quarter wallets. You know that doesn't make sense from a business point of view. You know, in general, like why would you do that? You know, so I think I, I
1: suppose I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna slightly counter that and and say that you know back to your original point that there there are complications in that. In mm-hmm. that you you said yourself you you speak from your perspective and your disability and there's there is a quarter of the population, but there is such diversity of disability and yes. need within that cohort that. Um, it's almost all like micro niches within that. So it, it's it's quite a it's quite a brain teaser to kind of figure out what can be done, which isn't to say that something can't be done, but we just we need to think about what that could look like. I mean but maybe I think
2: like some things are like macro. Yeah. I mean, like going back to yeah. like, I think like ramps into a building, you know, having like 100%. a for blind, you know, for people who are blind. You know, different things like that are macro. And like I agree with you in terms of like the micro stuff, but I think like even to get the ramp in the building to get Get the wheelchair-accessible toilet. Like, that's a strong 50% of it done.
0: I have a great ramp story, but we need to take a break. And we're back. I was filming with the incredible Anya Lawler last week for uh, Keys to My Life, and her dad was disabled for the last 17 years of his life and they in this classic old house in Edenmore three up two down they built the most elegant ramp and I and at the front and the back and you didn't even it, it didn't it looked gorgeous because it, it swirled and it was cement and I was like god every house could have one of them because actually it's lovely and I guess she kept saying, going on about the ramp I was like but I, every house could have one of them it was cement it fit with the driveway and it, it really made me think why don't they just put everyone because actually even as we age you know things change we need wider mm-hmm. doors for some families you know, we need different things. So, so even for my dad, when he got sick and he was in a wheelchair, then we had to reconfigure the whole plate. You know, we had to think about all those things. And I think you're right. You can go to the root sometimes of development and look at how you can adjust uh, um, building building spec even.
1: What What if every public building had a had a diversity committee of of people with differences who could feed into planning applications it kind of feels like there needs to be actually a planning a planning there should be a diversity committee so
0: joanne i want to ask you on that so the old phrase that gets bashed around that a that, lot, lot of people have heard nothing about we without me right do you think uh, there are people making decisions or choices around design that affect your life without people like you in the room. Do you think that's still happening?
2: Yes, <laughs> like I, <laughs> like I, like I literally, like it was, like I remember. um I'm not going to say what uh, building specifically, but there was a building in Cork, and I just so happened. I think the guy who was doing it, he was like friends of my sister-in-law, and he had just said, or he was like, "Oh, we have the building specs. If you're interested in seeing it." And my sister-in-law was like, "All right, cool." Um, and then. of a sudden she was like landed with these like private documents and I just happened to flick through them and it was a building that I would be frequenting, you know, and would have to frequent at some stage in my life. And I remember seeing it and I remember being like, those wheelchair access points are terrible and they had no parking outside the specific building for um, people in wheelchairs I remember they had this mad idea that well, what they would do was they would let people in wheelchairs park further in further in, and they'd get a shuttle bus to bring people in and out, like could you imagine Like, we live in Ireland, you know, this isn't like we live in like Mallorca, you know, and like the sun is going to be beating down us like all the time and you don't mind the walk in, you know, like all that kind of stuff and I remember I made a phone call to someone that I know who was in like the process with that building and I was like this is Good enough. I remember he was particularly old as well, like at that time. And I remember he was like, "You're gonna ruin this building, like for everyone. Like if you stop this now, like you're gonna be like the reason why it's delayed, like and all this kind of stuff." I said that's to him, I was, "Shocking!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said to him, "I was like, you're like seventy odd. You're probably gonna end up in a wheelchair soon. No offense." I was like, "So would you not want it to be catering to you as well, like in the future?" He was like, "No." He was like, it's, "That that's not how like it works, you know, like all that kind of stuff." So I was like, "Fine." So then I was like telling. Someone else, and they were like, Oh my god, like that's terrible. So, long story short, the building got changed, um, and the access points, um, were fixed, and everything was fine now. But I remember like watching TV when it like got opened, and I remember someone was like on a panel, and they were like, I just have to commend the wheelchair section, like for a moment. And I was like, Who paid you to do that? Because, like, there's no way you would just like <laughs> pop up on and over and be like, It's not not be like if like me and you were like hanging out, like, I don't know, in I don't know, the George, and then someone was like, Oh, the wheelchair section is fab here. You're like, No. No one like who's <laughs> Like, hmm. like unless like you know, as you said, Brendan, like unless you're with someone who has a disability or someone who's acquired one, then you notice. Like, fair enough, but like not like a random person like walking in would be like that wheelchair section is fab, there, isn't it?
1: But yeah, no, I remember it being like crazy. I was thinking about this before you came on about the message and the messenger and your ability to make people comfortable in what are perceived to be uncomfortable situations so you do use humor as this amazing weapon and you know you talk about kids staring at you mothers staring at you nobody knowing what to do with you how to approach your your difference do you recognize that as as sort of a, a key differentiator for you to be able to make an impact using your humour to, to, to drive things forward
2: I don't know whether like I use it as like a way I don't know do I like in- intentionally use it I suppose as a way to you know like break the ice or you know do whatever I suppose at the end of the day like in my head I'm like Jesus if I was on the Lewis tomorrow and I bumped into someone with no limbs like how would I react like I'm a nosy ass B word like I'll stare like I'll be like oh my god like what's that I hope someone asked me a question like and I can overhear it you know like all this kind of stuff So I suppose really like I'd know how I would behave. So I, I can't really be like offended if someone behaves like that towards me because I know I'd be the same. I know I'd be fumbling. I know I'd be probably like bashing off the chair and I'd be like, oh jeez, I'm sorry, girl. Uh, you know, like in all this stuff. So like, it really kind of doesn't bother me. But I suppose what would bother me is when people like shush people. Obviously there are like some days and I'm like on like, you know, the Lewis and I'm like, you know, it's like after a Saturday night and I'm like, oh my God, I hope no one talks to me. And then I hear, Mammy, why has she got no limbs? And I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> you know, but like, you know, 99.9% of the time, like i am i would think and hope that people would say that i'm approachable you know and if a child had a question i'd happily answer them because as i said i suppose we're all just curious and I suppose we shouldn't kill that curiosity from a young age but i can see how someone who maybe is in a situation and they haven't like accepted it you know they haven't accepted that they're now using a wheelchair or they haven't accepted that they're missing a limb or like all that kind of stuff i can <laughs> see how that would be like upsetting you know like for sure
0: so how a young woman challenge that status quo you know of the older generation how do you how do you bring them around what's your What's your magic trick?
2: I suppose, like, I hadn't really, like, known that until, like, I kind of went to Russia. And I remember, like, we got over there and it was, like, the same situation. Like, everyone missing a limb goes to a gulag, like, and that's it, you know? And I remember, like, oh crap, you know, like, this is not at all where, like, I want to be. But I suppose I went because it was a, a fun adventure, like, and I wanted to experience Russia, you know, like everyone else. And I can remember, like, I got, off, like, I remember the plane, like, landed and I was, like, waiting because I, my chair goes um in where the luggage goes. Um, and I sit on a seat in by myself or with whoever I'm with. And I remember my friend Lucy was, like, okay will we go and I was like oh yeah Grant and she was like we'll just wait for your brother there to like you know pick you up and carry you out and I was like yeah so next thing this like big burly six foot like six massive Russian security guard with guns and batons and his you know belt like walks in and he's like you know like staring and then he like sees me because obviously someone had said to him there's a girl with no limbs on the plane you're going to have to be in charge of her so I obviously didn't like get that memo so he like came in and he like looked at me and he said I take you to chair and then I was like sorry and he was like I take you to your chair and I was like no I'll just wait for my brother like you're Grant but if you could take my bags you know that be great he's like no i take you to chair i was like okay oh this is how we're gonna roll so i was like fine so then he like picked me up and i was like oh my god like i was like i've never been six foot six up in the air you know like ever in my life and i remember he we got uh, he was like no talking like nothing whatsoever and he put me into this push chair and i was like this isn't my chair like oh my god he's taking me away from everyone like this is it like it was nice knowing everyone joanne's gonna be like sent to siberia you know like that's it and he was like pushing me along in the airport and i was like so like where is my chair and he like didn't answer me i was like okay that's that's I was like, "Sir, are you gonna take me to like my luggage? And then he was like, still not answering me. And he looked at me and he was like, do you have your passport? And I was like, I do, yeah. And then he was like, okay. And then he brought me into security. He brought me to like a little private security area. And they were like, who are you? I was like, I'm Joanne. They were like, have you filled out the immigration form? I was like, I have. They were like, have you your visa? I was like, I have. So on and so forth. And then we eventually got out. And then he like pushed me in. And he was like, your chair is here now. And it was my chair like looking at me, looking all like brand new and specky, you know, and stuff. And I was like, class. So then he like picked me up, put me back into my chair. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to really have to shift my mentality here. Because this fella thinks he did everything A okay. Whereas like, if that was in the UK, if that was in Ireland, no one would touch me because you'd get sued right for like touching someone whereas he didn't care put me in my chair that was fine so i remember that day i said to Stephen, i was like oh we're gonna have to go about this in a way where instead of coming in and critiquing their like lack of disability policy or non-existent disability policy we're gonna have to tell them to be the best country in the world this is what you're going to have to do because Russians like really feed into that you know they want to be the best in the world at everything and they really did like feed into it like we were the most viewed you know um, documentary in that film festival I think I had the most pictures and bear in mind there was a fella from Breaking Bad there so I take that with great pride (laughs) so like it just completely shifted like their mentality and even we met up with the RH Embassy afterwards and they were like you did it correctly because they were like if you came in and you were like all guns blazing and you were like you know screw this and screw that like they would have just shut down not react acted Probably would have reported you to the police at some stage, Um, whereas like you fed into like that mentality. So I suppose going back to your question, Brendan, I think what you have to do is understand that listening is all well and good. And I remember hearing someone say this, listening is all well and good, but comprehension is key. And if you don't comprehend it, then there's no point. And I think you do notice when you're in a room with certain individuals, you notice that they're like listening, but they're not necessarily comprehending that this is just a box ticking exercise for them that they have to do. But I think you just have to accept that like 10% of the personality are going to be like that and you just have to like tap into their psyche in some other like shape or form if it's businessmen i basically say you want to make more money you know if it's like you know uh going to russia and like dealing with political instability um you basically talk about how to be the greatest country in the world you just have to figure out what it is that makes them tick you know in that moment in time
0: so um in a uniquely fabulously gay way we insist on everyone taking a magic wand and we grant them three wishes and these are wishes that you could make true if you could just Click your fingers. What are they, Joanne?
2: Click my fingers. It would be probably physical access into all buildings because I think that's like 60% of my hurdles. The second one... I would say it would be to ask all companies and people who have a hiring policy within Ireland and the world to have basically what's known as a Rooney Rule, which in America basically states that you have to interview someone of a minority and someone on your panel has to reflect that minority as well, just to give more people a chance and different opportunities. And then my third wish would be Oh man, I'd wish so bad that like shorts were like a universal thing you could buy like in shops, even in wintertime, so I don't have to cut pants. And I wish like, I wish that the clothes, you know, like some clothes that like people like make, I wish it's like that material that's like easy to cut for like normal idiots like myself, you know, who can be ringing her aunt who's a, ta- uh, a so a seamstress every single day and be like, please help Eileen. Uh, so that's like my funky wish, you know, like just to like, I don't know, have loads of clothes that are like short legged and short sleeved and then I'm fine.
1: Rippable garments coming to you. You soon, Joanne. I
2: know. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we need to take a, a page from um books books book. You know, you yeah, know, exactly. Exactly. We
1: so we movie. can't we can't leave the podcast without um, bringing our illustrious producer and fabulous friend Esther O. Moore Donahue into the conversation with Esther's question. Um Joanne, I've so many questions so many things to ask I never never actually thought about someone actually physically lifting you and touching you and your feeling of safety within different situations that's a whole other thing
2: I felt very safe in his arms I have to say (laughs) like for like a moment for a moment when I thought I was going to be thrown into a gulag his hand he was very warm at the end of the day (laughs) I wonder what he's
0: doing now (laughs) he never phoned he never (laughs) wrote. yeah
1: I know
2: I thought we were gonna have like a notebook scenario where he'd write to me for 365 days You know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) anyway anyway I mean you kind of touched on this before, but have people kind of been in touch asking how even online events can be streamed differently? Or do you think that's going to stay after we all get back to
2: normal? I think it'll be like a, like a mix of the two of them. You know, I think it'll definitely be like some form of a hybrid um, at some stage because I think people do like the flexibility. I think the issue that we have at the moment is that it's thrown onto us and we don't really like that. You know, we're all creatures of habit at the end of the day. So I think it will, you know, like change. I suppose where it'll like change to see if there's like a massive difference is that if you have like a panel discussion tomorrow on diverse and inclusion or something and it's still all three white men in suits, I think, you know, that's when you realize, okay, it actually hasn't, you know change that much you know you're just hoping people aren't riding this wave of opportunity and then when the wave crashes we all go back to as you were saying normality so i think really only time will tell to see how far you know we'll actually get you know something i can't really like say for sure but definitely from the excitement and being around a lot of companies over the last year I definitely think there is a... Like, people want to do it. You know, people genuinely now know what it's like to be left alone. And I think now they're like, crap. Like, if we've been doing that for the last 100 years to 250,000 people, like, that's quite sad. Um, so I think people hopefully will get better. I think there's a lot of good people with the right intentions. But I think going back, you know, to what myself and Brenda were saying earlier, there is also a lot of people in decision-making situations that haven't a clue, and they're just making a decision and not knowing how it's going to affect them. So hopefully that role will change eventually, that the voices at the bottom will be a little bit louder um, rather than the decision maker, you know, on top. And I suppose what we all really need to strive to, I suppose we're all on this planet to like, you know, try and make a difference and do something that's impactful um, and different things like that. But I suppose we have to treat this, and people always laugh when I say this, we have to treat this in a way like a never-ending football game in that if we're going out and we're getting hammered five nil at half time, what do you do in a football match normally? You go back to the drawing board, you redesign, you do a new tactical plan and you go out and you try and, you know, <laughs> overcome the odds and things like that. And I think that's how we need to treat diversity and inclusion. It's like a never- football game where you just have to consistently go back to the tactics board and just be like right how are we going to move on from this right how are we going to move on from that and I think with that kind of attitude you know that players go into games with I think that could end up you know being the difference maker you know that Drive, desire, and will to win um, will make a difference in years to come.
0: That is the only sports analogy I have not rolled my eyes at. <laughs> <it>. <laughs>
2: Here I am. I'm like, I'm like I'm the white male that I'm dissing there. Like you know, five minutes it, ago, I'm that. We're white often,
0: male. you know, what it's so funny. We're often in meetings over the years, and the the, the guy at the running the meeting will make a sports, analogy. and you can hear me go, oh, a sports analogy. And I Now Sonia now intervenes. Like, but don't do sports analogy for the run, but that was really good. I like that
1: one. I'm no, no, if, if if you. You want to be entertained by sports writing, Brendan? I strongly suggest you read Joanne in the Irish yeah. Times. <laughs> and and
2: I'm w- full of printed, Like it's totally fine. Like it's like because <laughs> like, maybe we're like oh i don't like sports. are like, yeah, that's cool. Like you know, people like people just don't like it. Like and that's fine, you know. Um, but no, I I agree with you. Like when I'm in meetings as well, and someone decides to throw it, like oh, we're like junior B hurling at the moment. I'm like, can you actually just shut the hell up? Like don't ever use <laughs> no, that No, I think it's great.
0: I think it's great, and I think it's a good. I actually think your analogy is actually brilliant. Have to be honest, I think it's great, and I think people can get their head around that. Back to the drawing board, reconfigure, rethink constantly, because I think you're right. There's a lot of tokenism in the industry that needs to be flushed out a little bit, and I think conversations like this start that process. So I think they're really important, and I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this conversation. Thank you.
1: Been amazing. No, I think we, we have to give a, we have to give a big shout out to Moj- Mobility Mojo. I, I don't know have you come across them, Joanne? I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're currently um, auditing a lot of corporate spaces for for, um, accessibility um, and kite marking companies who uh, achieve gold standards. So definitely if anybody's listening and want to explore that accessibility issue, there are good ones to turn to.
0: And let's make the Rooney Rule law (laughs)
1: <laughs> I think it has to be.
2: Like, literally. Like, you were talking about, like, lawyering up. I'm constantly, like, lawyering up when it comes to that rule. They're like, are you sure that's, like, legal? I'm like, well, in 1961, a white guy took the Rooney rule to the Supreme Court, and what they basically found was that in the context of the law, at that moment in time, and where, like, people with minorities were, the law is perfectly fine and not discriminatory towards the white male. So you can count down.
1: You know that there's another piece of research after the Rooney rule, which said that if there are two representatives from a Minority, the success rate is more than double. So it's kind of incredible that if you are still, if you're ab- ab- abiding by the Rooney rule, but you're you're using it in a tokenistic way, it, you can have limited results. But if you really buy into it, um, the success rate is even great, greater. So yeah, it's fascinating stuff.
2: It's, a, it's really interesting. Yeah, no, and I think, um, as Brendan said, I would like for it to become a proper policy here. Do, Amen.
1: I, as a separate question. My
0: thesis is on reverse diverse mentoring. And do you mentor older people? Because it sounds like you are ripe for it.
2: I don't, like, technically do it, but, like, I, ha- I do a lot of, like, those community-based events where it's a lot of, like, older people being, like, you know, and I can get into the post office. And you're like, I know, Mary, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> um. <laughs> you're like, I know, girl. Which, uh, yeah, uh, no, like, I don't actually do it, like, in terms of, like, kind of one-to-one. Actually, that is the first time I've heard of it. So, like, the one I was involved in, I wasn't even, like, involved in it. it was, like, accidental. So I do the Garda Youth Awards um, with the guards, obviously. Um, and I went to a reverse mentoring scheme And it was a boy from Syria teaching an old white Catholic woman who was 80 odd. What's it like to be a Syrian? Oh, my God. It was the best thing I've ever been involved in. Like, it was so funny. Like, just to hear the questions she had. And how he was like, Yeah, it doesn't bother me.
0: (laughs) It's been a joy. I really, really have enjoyed this conversation and maybe have many more of them, I hope.
2: Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed we get to reunite. I know I met Sonia, but I haven't met Brendan like properly. Dying to meet you. Sounds like a party to me. I like it. Where are we going, kids? Anywhere. I'm I'm vaccinated now, so I'm free, guys. Yeah,
1: me too. Woo! Me too, me too. Yeah. Joanne, thank you. Thank you so much.
2: Thanks, Emil. After their chat with Joanne, Sonia and Brendan kept talking.
1: And I think that's what's really interesting about her is that she is such a good communicator that she she tells the, the message so well, you know? And that's, that's what really struck me when I first heard her was, wow, she has the room. She is amazing. She's engaging. And I think you touched on it, this idea that if if you're angry and bitter about your situation people are kind of repelled by it no matter how valid your cause is but there's a magnetism when 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 you're brought into it through good communication i think and, this, For, and that's it, not fair but it's true
0: yeah and she has a subconscious awareness that there's a big discomfort around dealing with disability because there's a fear of what to say right and wrong even with, with the most well-meaning people there's a fear there and so she knows that and diffuses that fear by being yeah. funny, sweet, yeah. and eye roly and girl, and just accessible. So she actually has a great power, um, and her unawareness of it is even half their charm in, as well. Like she's just mm. an amazing human. I really, she is. I was completely going. I wanted her as a reverse mentor for me. <laughs> yeah. Like there's so much we could learn.
1: She she wrote an amazing an, art, an amazing article in the Irish Times actually about her her exercise journey um and how she found yoga and how she she has she works with yogis and she has a really strong practice i just i i listen there was so much to get into with her there wasn't time to to do but um even that is a sort of a kind of a misconception to shatter because we all we all accept of course you feel better when you exercise of course the endorphins go flowing around the body you know and and the fact that Exercise practice is so important to her, I found really interesting, you know, and of course, why wouldn't it be?
0: And for me, she is the first person I think I've met that that you could put in any room and you she could convince people how easy and, and quickly and how Cost-effective, it would be to make accessibility across the board. Like she just sells it perfectly well, and you, you'd come, you come away going, I don't know what I just bought, but I, it's good. You yeah. know, <laughs> because...
1: <laughs> she should be on the planning, the planning committee. She should be. There's, there yeah. should. I don't know if there is a disability representative in our national planning uh, process, but there absolutely should be.
0: There you go. Let's we'll put Done. that in the tweet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And the boy, I and the i and the and the boy, and the the and